Please uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 for our scripture reading this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, we read the first uh, 12 verses, and verse 8 to 12 will be our text. First Peter uh, chapter 3 and reading at verse 1. God's holy word uh, to our hearts today. Wives likewise be submissive to your husbands even if some do not obey the word they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the, of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good, let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then a few words turning to Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul gives that beautiful picture how the marriage of a husband to his wife is an emblem or a symbol of the love of Christ for his church and the church for him. Ephesians 5 at verse 18, and there we want to note verse 21 in particular. Ephesians 5 at verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. <clears throat> so far, we read from God's holy word. <clears throat> Beloved brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, we turn our hearts this morning to that high and holy calling that God gives to us as Christians, how to bear the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust this is nothing new for you, 
and yet it's something we need to be reminded of time and time again so that we do not forget how we must live as Christians bearing the image of Christ in this sad and broken world. We are to keep remembering what we are in Christ and what we are to be by grace through faith in him. And so we see as our theme this morning, congregation, the Lord teaches us the divine character of our Christian living. Our theme from 1 Peter 3, verses 8 to 12, we'll see in the first place what that spiritual character looks like, what the substance of it is. Secondly, its divine origin and the outcome or the consequence of having that Christian character. And thirdly, what is the continual motivation we have to live that Christian life? The Apostle Peter in this third chapter, in his first letter, deals with the spiritual character that husbands and wives are to have for each other, that it would be indeed for their well-being. And what seems to stand out in those first verses is this whole concept, this whole spiritual reality of submission, of being in submission one to another. And this character is not natural to us in our fallen state. Which one of you really likes to be submissive all the time? It kind of rails against us, doesn't it? Something we don't naturally want to be submissive, but rather authoritarian or above somebody instead. But when we look at verses 8 to 12, we see that a submissive character is so essential, such an essential ingredient we need to have to maintain our Christian living. And so again, I say it's not natural to us, but it is a spiritual reality. It is a gift of, of God that he places in our hearts and keeps there by the Holy Spirit. For pray, tell me, how else could you ever be sub- how, el- how else could you ever be obedient to God's will unless you had a submissive spirit, unless you bow before the Lord as your king and your God in humble submission and carry out that Christian life bearing the image of Christ. And so we read at verse 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind, have compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be, be courteous. Here is that spiritual-minded living congregation. It has a lot of substance to it, doesn't it? It's got, it, it requires a lot of action, a continual social interaction in which we manifest this character in and amongst ourselves and even outwardly toward our neighbor. Peter says, finally, in verse 8, as if to say, this is finally where we're going, folks. This is the end of what your life is going to look like. And make sure you live this way. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind, have compassion for one another, etc. He says, be of one mind or, or be confessing the same thing. It comes down to bearing the mind of Christ, the one who, after all, unites us together as brothers and sisters, that we may be of one mind. The ESV translation has, have unity of mind. The older NIV says, live in harmony with one another. Hey, Christ makes us one body. He is our head. We are to be of one mind. 
grounded in one faith, grounded in one truth of God's holy word. Now indeed, we're all created uniquely with our own mind. We all are able to think independently about a lot of different things, that's fine. But uh, let us not simply think independently uh, for its own sake, or perhaps simply to be contrary to somebody else. Sometimes we do something just to be different. It doesn't really help us, does it? It may cause us to rub somebody the wrong way. Do not think independently simply just to be different or simply just to show yourself that you are somebody too. No, but have a yielding spirit as much as possible towards one in harmony so that you may live in harmony with each other. Have that spirit of mutual submission towards one another. Remember, we are one body of Christ. Be in submission to one another for the good of the whole body. As a congregation, you ought always to be thinking, when we talk about these kinds of things, thinking what is good for the whole body. That's most important. That's first, and of course, always to God's glory, to be sure, and according to his law. But be not thinking about my agenda and myself. This is what I think, but as much as possible, working together for the good of the whole body. Be of one mind, Peter teaches. Or as we read Paul saying to the Ephesians, submitting to one another. How? Why? In the fear of God. And so, though you may not all think alike, we do have different opinions about things, yet as much as possible, be of one mind, express things in terms of living, uh, having one faith and, and living that out in, in one kind of a way, in the fear of God, Paul says. In the, this is to say, out of reverence for him, out of obedience to his will, be of one mind. We have, of course, those wonderful Reformed confessions that are so important to our church life and our living socially to teach us, to guide us, to unite us. But having said that, if we also bear that spiritual character of a submissive heart, why that fosters very much being of one mind. And when we strive to be of one mind, we are submitting to Jesus Christ. And what did he do in his life? But he kept submitting to his Father in heaven. He too was to be in submission to his Father's will. How much more are we in submission to Christ's will having this one mind? And all for the sake of the well-being of our salvation. What we see next as Peter goes on developing that spiritual character that we are to, to manifest, he says, finally be of, all, of one mind, have compassion for one another. Compassion we know flowed from every vein of Jesus' body as he lived those few short years upon the earth that was seen in everything he did and everything he was, there was compassion. The word in the original simply has the word for sympathy. 
have compassion is to have sympathy for other people, have a sympathetic spirit, Peter instructs. This too is part of the image of Christ that we are called upon to bear, to manifest. Bear the image of Christ for one another's sake. And so when you see a brother of yours in need, a brother who is in trouble, someone who needs some help, I, I pray it affects you. And then with a sympathetic heart, you come to his assistance. Perhaps he needs a word of explanation. He maybe needs help simply to fix something or, or he's down. He needs a word of, 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 of encouragement. Then express sympathy with words and deeds of care and of love. And when it is your sister who is rejoicing, what do you do? You rejoice with her. That too is showing the proper kind of empathy or sympathy. Sympathy here has no room for envy. How often we go that way. When someone's really doing well and we ought to rejoice because he rejoices and we get a bit embittered. He has, she has it better than me. I wish she didn't have what she had, you see. No, sympathy has no room for envy. To express sympathy that crowds out immediately selfishness. Sympathy has no room for disinterest in others. It has no room for pride. But sympathy is a selfless kind of thing, isn't it? You're not thinking about yourself, but, the, but about the other person. How you can help. How you can help them to get through a hard day. Sympathy is never anything that harms a person. Okay? Our Christian character being developed here as we listen to Peter's words, the commands of Christ indeed. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind, have compassion for one another. And then he says, love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. You see, the spiritual substance that is to be uh, going forth from our character and being our character, this, this substance of loving as brothers and of being tender-hearted. Indeed, the question is, how can you be compassionate to somebody or show some genuine sympathy if you did not love as brothers or love as sisters, for that matter, and if you weren't tender-hearted? See how love is something that requires a tender-hearted spirit. And love is a tender-hearted spirit. And what does a tender-hearted spirit in somebody else kind of do for you? It helps you to love the person more, too. He's not abrasive, he's not proud, he's not arrogant, but he's, he's tender-hearted. I think that would strike you very well and would cause you to approach him in the same manner with a tender-hearted spirit, a loving-as-brothers kind of a spirit that Peter here is talking about. See how the Lord here, congregation, is teaching us very important things. We might ask the question, well, how can I really know this and, and kind of grasp this Myself. Well, we, of course, here have this explicit instruction 
But please remember then the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that very beautiful man of Nazareth who learned the trade of his father in a carpenter's shop, and yet he was holy God at the same time. See his beautiful character, his tender-hearted love, for example, that he showed to that woman at Samaria. Remember, he met her at Jacob's well. And he went on to tell her that she had had five husbands already, and the one man she was living with was not her husband at the present time. And how the Lord dealt with that very troubled, immoral woman who did not yet know the Lord. Tenderly and lovingly, he began to speak to her. He never condoned her sin. He never gave her an excuse for her sinning. Oh, no. But he led her compassionately with tender, loving care, bringing her to faith and repentance. Pray to be tender-hearted to each other, brothers and sisters. Tender-hearted translated from the original is really really means to have bowels of mercy for each other that's what the text literally says in the greek language now john calvin here teaches that the chief bond of friendship is brotherly love expressed with bowels full of mercy for one another as if to say, I'm full, not so much of food, but mercy. Mercy, a tender heart, a gentle spirit, a gentle and a quiet spirit. The Lord is teaching us here. Peter isn't quite finished here yet. He says when he speaks of loving his brothers and being tender-hearted, he concludes here with being courteous. Being courteous. Love his brothers, be tender-hearted, be curious. And again, you might ask, well, who really is like this? Well, I present you the Lord Jesus Christ as exhibit A of that perfect and holy and beautiful Christian character. Courtesy could be translated here simply as humble. If you are humble, of course, you will be courteous. If you are courteous, you won't be rude, you won't be arrogant, you won't be full of yourself, you won't be offensive, you won't try to manipulate people and take advantage of people for your own sake. No, that's got nothing to do with being courteous or sympathetic or compassionate or having a tender heart. But being courteous, being very polite, it's not just a human kind of a thing, but it's a way in which we exemplify the working of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. And so I say again, how can we be such people, congregation, with humility, with compassion, with a tender heart and loving as brothers, being of one mind, how can we be this unless Jesus Christ dwells in our heart as well by his Holy Spirit? 
Yes, he who gave himself up for us all. And he was exactly the kind of man that Peter here describes to perfection, of course. Here we see the Lord's will, congregation. Here we see the divine character of that Christian living wherein we bear the image of our Lord. And so this morning, let us in effect sit at the feet of Jesus and learn about the Christian living that is so pleasing unto him. Remember, we who have been washed by the blood of Christ have also been renewed by the Holy Spirit to bear his image. These spiritual characteristics you are to be praying for. There's times when we really need to pray for ourselves. Pray these kinds of spiritual qualities for yourself, that you may live to God's glory, that you may bear the image of Christ. Pray for the Holy Spirit to soften your hearts, to fill them with mercy, with courtesy, because you belong to him. And that then congregation will prevent something. It will stop something from happening when we live this way. It'll prevent what we see in verse 9, where Peter says, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Here, Peter shifts gears real quick. And we see our Lord Jesus Christ here again as well. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not revile when he was reviled. He did not return evil for evil. Well, then neither may we. See here what Jesus Christ commands. And guess what? He practices what he preaches, and we must as well. Having a submissive spirit and a humble heart will keep you from returning evil for evil and getting back just to get back at somebody tit for tat. He did this to me. I'm going to throw the garbage right back at him. No, that's not how we operate, bearing that divine character of that image of our Lord Jesus Christ. One writer says here, how do Christians get even? How do you get back at somebody? Repay evil with good. Repay curses with blessing. Just like Jesus commands in Matthew 5, verse 44, when he says, love your enemies. Now that's not an impossibility for Christians born again of the Holy Spirit, love your enemies. Jesus adds, bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. See how Jesus' words in Matthew, they resonate completely with Peter's words in his first epistle. See how the word of God's all tied together to express one faith, one doctrine, one hope, one lifestyle, one life of living to God's glory. Perhaps you're still thinking, man, I just, I don't know, this is a lot to ask of, uh, of me, Pastor. How is it possible? Well, secondly, we see how the Lord teaches now the divine origin. Hey, we're going now to the source, the origin, but also the outcome of this Christian living. Let's go to verse 9 again. Peter says, not returning evil for evil 
or reviling for reviling. A reviling means to simply insult somebody in a nasty, rotten way. You revile him. Eh? Peter says, not reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Instead of trading insult for insult, Peter says, you've been called to be a blessing. That's the way you are to go, not the other. As believers have been chosen before the foundation of the world, so believers have also been chosen and called in order to be a blessing to others. Yes, we have faith, and that faith has that calling of obedience to Jesus Christ. Again, quoting Ephesians 1 verse 4, we've been chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy in love. And in this case here, we're talking about the holiness that Peter here is mentioning. Holiness here is not cursing someone when he curses you. That's holiness, because you're blessing instead, and that's holy. Instead of cursing him back, you try with all your might, spiritually speaking, to speak words that will defuse that nasty attitude of his, and in some way, with a few simple words, you seek to somehow still be a blessing to that person. And perhaps when he listens to your words, which you intend for his good, that might just kind of cool him down. It may just make him think of what his own attitude really looks like too. And of course, you leave the results to God there, but you have sought to be a blessing. And the origin for this Christian living congregation is divine. God calls us to this way. See, see how it says there in verse, uh, verse 9, not reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. No, you are called to this. No options here. You are called to this that you may inherit a blessing. God calls us to be this way, and you know what? When he calls us to be this way, he also equips us or tools us, so to speak. He gives us the power, and we get that from the fact that we have been born again from above, by the Holy Spirit. Hey, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. A new creation, meaning we are equipped to now manifest that divine character to which we are called, and it is thus to follow Jesus Christ. Again, looking at our Lord as an example, how when he was reviled and when he was mocked and he was insulted and persecuted, he did not throw the same trash at them, did he? He did not. He did not return evil for evil. He was called to be a blessing, and he sure was. We are called to be a blessing then too, with words, Deeds, words that show a gentle spirit, words that show you want to encourage somebody rather than to tear them down, words to comfort a person, 
words that, that express uh, you have a desire to have a friendship with that person. You have a gentle and a quiet spirit. You come to, co to, to, to comfort. Yes, you may need sometimes to correct somebody and to admonish. That's okay. That's part of Christian living too. But it is always for his good that he too might flourish and be strengthened as a Christian or that he may repent of his sin and become a believer in Jesus Christ. And see how as Peter is talking about these things that in the next verse he, he quotes from Psalm 34 in order to reinforce what he is saying. He says, for, he says in verse 10, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and to pursue it. And so here's the thing. If you would really love life and want your life to be a kind of a lovely thing where you are enjoying yourself and the good times are there, if you want to see good days, says Peter, if you want to see happy days, and, and by all you can to, to, to kind of pave the way for a happy and a bright and a prosperous future for you, what do you do? Peter says, let such a person then refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. If you want that good life that is promised here in these good days, then please turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The origin, again, of our Christian character, it's divine. We've been called to this. Called to what? Called to turn away from evil and do good. Called to what? To seek peace and to pursue it. <clears throat> Called why? Because the Lord indeed desires that we would love life and that we would see good days, that we would be a, a happy people, a people who are joyful in the Lord. This is what Peter here is getting at. And what's now the outcome of all of this? Well, he says at the end of verse 9 that you may inherit a blessing. Hey, see how God's word is always intended, always for your good and my good as well. We have been called to, the, to this. And so here's the idea. You were called to be a blessing to other people by the way you behave toward them, by the way you speak pursuing peace, not looking for a fight, seeking to refrain your tongue from speaking evil. You're not going to be a liar because that, because that doesn't help anybody. You've been called to these things, not only that you may be a blessing to people, but Peter says that you may inherit a blessing too. This is for you as well, that you may inherit a blessing. God desires us to be blessed. He doesn't desire us to be moody and grumpy and always looking at the, at the bad side of things. But to be positive people, spiritually speaking, and to see the goodness of the Lord as we dwell in the land of the living under his good providence and grace. Life will be lived more happily and you will see many more good days when you bear this holy character than if you don't bear that character. You know the expression, congregation, that what goes around comes around. 
you know the expression that what you reap that you sow for good or for ill. And we've been called to the spiritual character of sowing blessings, sowing good deeds, turning away from evil, sowing that kind of a thing and sowing what is good, that we may inherit a blessing as we have been in the process of being blessings to others. That's what's happening here in the text. Peter has here in mind earthly blessings and eternal blessings as well, inheriting a blessing that indeed will never pass away. And then that brings us to the continual motivation, lastly, that we have in order to live this Christian life. Verse 12, Peter concludes, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Here is the motivation that we need to have. We must always remember this thing, that the Lord looks with favor upon his children who strive to be a blessing unto others. When we strive to be a blessing, God knows we are serious about our Christian faith. It's not just a bunch of talk, but it's real. We demonstrate it's in our life. We are a blessing. And then we have the motivating reality, knowing that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are upon you. And his ears are open to your prayers. God's ears are wide open. So it's very much worth your while to pray, to be a blessing to others, that you may then also inherit a blessing to pray for that kind of thing. The Lord's ears are wide open to you and he promises he will hear your prayers. For he knows your need. He knows then that the genuineness of your Christian faith. The Lord says, I can see it. <laughs> it's in his life. I hear his prayers. I know his needs. My eyes are upon him with favor we can say, God has my back. He does. His ears are open to our prayers. And so, congregation, with this motivation, keep on bearing the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on seeking to be a blessing in every way, shape, or form you can be. And keep on praying for the spiritual, uh, deliberate uh, determination to, to live this way. That's really getting serious with the manifesting of our Christian faith. Pray for these things. Pray for God to strengthen you here. Pray for God to motivate you here. Pray for God to supply you here with his spiritual power and grace from his Holy Spirit. And of course, keep praying also that God will forgive you for all your shortcomings here too because we have them, don't we? But that's not going to rule the day or define you, but his power and grace to equip you, 
Yes, you confess your sins, but you pray, God, please make me to be a better man tomorrow, a better woman, a better teenager this coming week in terms of how I relate and how I show my Christian faith to be a blessing. The Lord then indeed is open to your cry, to your prayers. We don't have to get even, you see, then. We don't have to retaliate because, no, the Lord is going to take care of those things. We don't have to return evil for evil. We know the Lord is our judge. We know he is our avenger. And all evil and injustice, he will correct, he will deal with himself. And that's why Peter ends here, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He is. His face is against those who do evil. What does that mean? Well, if they do not repent of their sins, if they continue in their immoral lifestyle in defiance of God, if they are in your face with their own brutality and their arrogant manner demeaning you because of your Christian faith, then we know the face of the Lord will be against those people who do evil. Their future will not be bright and rosy. They will not see many more good days in terms of a reality that will continue. Oh no, their apparent strength and hope will ultimately fail. If they continue in their sin, they will experience God's punishing wrath and condemnation. They will reap what they sow. What comes around, what goes around, comes around for them too. Their end will be destruction. They'll be cast into outer darkness where there's gnashing of teeth, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Eternal suffering far from the presence of God for those who do evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Don't ever forget that either. That's the Lord's business. He will do that as is according to his righteous justice. But the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous all the days of our life, even to its very end. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to your prayers. He's got you in his hand. He's your faithful covenant father who will never forsake you. He's always faithful all the time. And that gives you the grace and the motivation to continually manifest this divine character of bearing the image of God. His grace will be there for you, even though, of course, we don't deserve it one bit. And so here we have it, congregation. Look at our God. Think on his awesome, wonderful, excellent government over you in your life. Talk about his wonderful providence by which he will maintain you and he will supply you all that you need to live this way. Talk about his gracious love and power and care that's made you first this kind of a person. And remember, he is there always to equip you every single day to live this way bear this distinct Christian character, even the image of Jesus Christ.
Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly God and Father, we again see how you have given us so much. So much to think on, so much to supply us with, so much to encourage us in. Yes, O Father, by your strength and by your power, we indeed may live in a way that is pleasing to you. Grant us all your grace and forgive us for all our sins when we have fallen so short. But may we now with joy and gladness, seeking to love life and to see good days, live happily before you in obedient, obedient to your holy will. Amen.